man who is characterized by anger, we've talked about this before, is a man who demonstrates, or a woman who demonstrates himself to be an unbeliever. Whether the anger is violent or explosive, whether it's this constant underlying dissatisfaction and anger towards others. But you know the verses that come after that. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. When you are living according to the Spirit, you don't get angry, unrighteous. Joy flows out. Grace flows out. Welcome again to Grace Maryville Weekly, which is a podcast ministry of Grace Community Church located in downtown Maryville, Tennessee. The sermon you are about to hear is a part of a sermon series presented by Pastor Chris Reiser from the book of Matthew. Pastor Chris has sought to demonstrate that Jesus is the King, which is the overall theme of the book of Matthew. It is our goal to provide messages on Monday and Friday weekly from the pulpit at Grace Community Church to equip the saints for the work of ministry and to call everyone to repent and believe. Let's listen now as Pastor Chris works exegetically through the text. Probably summing all this up when it comes to recognizing our own sinful anger is that it is, it's an expression of fleshliness that is living according to the flesh and not according to the spirit. You can be sure that when you are angry, you are not controlled by the spirit of God when you are unrighteously angry. Second Corinthians twelve twenty, Paul says, for I'm afraid that perhaps when I come, I may find you not to be what I wish. They were sinning. He goes, I'm afraid that when I come, you're not going to fix it. I'm writing this letter. I'm hoping that you will. You're supposed to get the letter before I come, but I'm afraid you're not going to have changed. And he also, he goes on to say, and I'm afraid that I may be found by you to not be what you wish. Yeah, when I come, I'm, gonna, I'm bringing the hammer, right? They were hoping he'd come with sweetness and light. He goes, you're not going to like it when I come. If I don't like it when, if I don't like you when I come. He, goes, he says, perhaps, and he's giving them the great benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Maybe you'll have solved this. Perhaps there will be strife, jealousy, angry tempers, disputes, slanders, gossip, arrogance, and disturbances. All of that's related to anger, every bit of it. This is a Christian congregation that he's writing to. I'm, I'm afraid that perhaps this will be true. Would it be that this letter would never be written to our congregation? That it wouldn't even be possible? That someone would write and say, I'm afraid that when I come, there'll be strife, jealousy, angry tempers, disputes, slanders, gossip, arrogance, disturbances. Would that never be written of Grace Community Church? I don't believe that it has to be, but I pray that it never would be. Fleshly, a fleshly church. Galatians 5.19, now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. And then listen to all these anger words, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice, that is, whose lives are dominated by these things habitually, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. A man who is characterized by anger, we've talked about this before, is a man who demonstrates, or a woman who demonstrates himself to be an unbeliever, whether the anger is violent or explosive, or whether there's this constant underlying dissatisfaction and anger towards others. But you know the verses that come after that. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. When you are living according to the Spirit, you don't get angry unrighteously. Joy flows out. 
grace flows out. The, the peace of God flows out. All of the, of, the, of, the, of the virtues of the Christian life flow and we're controlled by the Spirit. And anger, any kind of un, unrighteous anger, is quelled. Now, how are we going to put this off? So that's how we identify it. Right? As you look through your life, and this can be, I pray that you will do this. And that's why I get angry. I don't know why. You need to track it down. What are some of these things that are driving you? Maybe you're anxious, fearful, whatever it might be. It's all related back to your trust of God and humble and humility beneath under him. But you guys, it's helpful to look and see where's this coming from? But how are you going to put it off? Now, back in Ephesians 4, because it says, be angry and do not sin. And then it says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. So the positive command is to be righteously angry is good and right. But you must not, and I, I think, I think the, the progression here, you must not allow either your righteous anger to linger inappropriately so that it ultimately will boil into unrighteous anger. And you must, of course, never allow any anger which either started unrighteously or ended unrighteously to linger another moment. There's a lot of discussion here about the different words used for anger. It's difficult to know the meaning of the text simply from the definition of the words. It's the context that determines it. Right? I think because the command in the first part is be angry and do not sin. That word, by the way, orge for anger is used down in verse 31 for sinful anger. But it's not sinful anger in Ephesians 4.26. That's where our hermeneutics comes in. Context is so important. So it's not the definition of the word. In 26, when it says be angry, that's be righteously angry. And then he says, be righteously angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. He uses a different word. But I think that word can relate to either righteous or unrighteous anger. Because even when we are righteously angry, we need to use the energy from that anger to a proper dealing with the situation, whether it's prayer, words that need to be spoken, a letter that needs to be written, some action that needs to be done. And we don't let it linger. We don't mull on our, even our righteous anger. That's why you can't watch Fox News all night. You're roiled up with your even sometimes righteous anger. I can't believe this stuff is going on. And you let it just constantly roil up within you and you sin. In fact, sometimes it's just really quick. You don't have to leave Fox News on very long. But you guys, you can't leave any form of Fox News, your own news broadcast of your wife's failures or your husband's failures or your children's failures. It's got to get shut off. So it, it, either way this is, you have to deal with your anger properly and in a godly fashion, and you've got to do it quickly. Do the right godly actions for righteous anger and put away quickly your unrighteous anger, as we will see through repentance, forgiveness, trust, and humility. So that's, I believe, the, the, the overview of what those verses are talking about. Just a couple of thoughts here. And, and we do believe in the literal, grammatical, historical, contextual interpretation of Scripture. But let's not over-literalize verse 26. Or, uh, yeah, be angry and you do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Please don't do this. I got angry in the morning. I got till the nighttime. It says sun go down. The sun doesn't go down. Now, here's the problem. If you live in Alaska at the right time of year, sun never goes down. Like, I'm moving there. I can be angry all the time. No, we understand what this means, right? Deal with your anger right away. Don't let it carry over. Don't let it go on. Which is why though I sound like, you know, let's wait till nighttime to deal with this anger towards my spouse. No, let's deal with it right now. Give her a phone call. Give her a text and say, I'm so sorry. I was a foolish idiot and I was angry at you. I'm so sorry. How many, how many of those texts have you written? Well, probably many. <laughs> I certainly have had to do many of those. But you guys, you don't wait till you get home to give her a hug. You start it right then if you possibly can. By the way, you, you can never stop the sun from going down. So, you know, except unless you live in Alaska, I guess. But you will have to just stop being angry before it does. That is, you need to constantly deal with it. Now, one word of caution here. This has sometimes been presented. You must resolve every issue that might have caused anger before you go to bed. Good luck. 
you are not going to get much sleep. There are some things that you can resolve right away. Look, I was a bonehead. That was ridiculous. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Okay, do that. But you guys, there are sometimes underlying things that are very deep and very strong that you're not necessarily going to resolve that night. Here's the thing. You need to resolve relationally. And Lou Priola, when he came, did such a good job on this. When you come, you need to resolve your anger relationally. That is, I'm not angry at you anymore. We need to deal with this situation, but relationally, we are together. We've solved our problem. So you don't go to bed stewing against your husband or wife or children or Fox News or the government or your employer. You can't always talk with those people individually. You can always deal with it in your heart and you must. But it doesn't mean you then will have solved the problem. Because I know people that are angry about things that have happened on their honeymoon, the week of their wedding, and 25 years later, they're still getting angry about those things. You know what? You're going to have to sit down and work through that. And that's probably not going to be one night's conversation. But here's what you do. You solve it relationally, but then you don't forget about it. See, that's the other problem. You can say, well, all right, we solved it. I'm no longer angry at you. I don't have the feelings of anger. And so everything is good. They're not good. You have to deal with the situation. You set aside a time to say, we're going to have to work through this and deal with it. That's why if you did your homework to know where the anger is coming from, you'll know what issues to begin to deal with. And then you set those for a time when you can begin to work through them on a regular basis. All right. So how do you do this? I want to get very specific here because I think we don't do enough work on this. There's not one of you here. Well, there might be some, but I certainly don't know of any of you here who like to be angry. I think you all look at this and go, I hate this sin. And I think you all struggle with it. But I think that most of you and myself included don't do enough work to actually deal with it. This is going to take some time. And so I'm going to be very specific. I'm adapting this from Lou Priolo's book called The Heart of Anger, which purports to be about anger in your children. Don't believe it. You pick up the book and it talks about anger in you. And it's going to rake you across the coals, as any book that he writes does, because it's biblical. And you're going to be first convicted of your own anger before you realize that your children are responding to yours or ways that you have exasperated them by being unbiblical. You're developing anger in your home. Anyway, and by the way, he, he, he suggests to them that they do an anger journal or that you for your children, when they get angry, you say, oh, it's time for the anger journal. So you give them a little journal and they have to go and do these things I'm about to suggest. Might I suggest to you that before you hand your children an anger journal, that you first show them yours. I'm going to make you do all this effort for you to overcome your anger, but it's okay for me to get mad because I'm busy. I got things to do. I can get mad. You can't. You're just a kid. That's what you're communicating when you try to have them deal with their anger and you refuse to deal with yours. So let's get out your anger journals and this is what you're going to do when you have one, whether you write it down. Oh, by the way, um, I'm using an iPad for the sermon. Shh, don't tell anybody. But all the electronic devices, what a wonderful thing. You can do all kinds of writing and typing and all these, there's whole apps, applications, I think it's with a big word for that, that help you actually do this kind of thing to, to recognize anger, to deal with it, to work on it. You have no excuse. Everywhere you go, you could actually deal with your anger. So how are you going to do it? First, identify this is repent of your sin. And it's, no, it, it's certainly no mistake that Matthew 5, 21 and 22 about anger equaling murder is followed by Matthew 5, 23. If you're presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come present your offering. You know you've been angry at your brother or your wife or whatever it might be, you know that they have that against you. You've been angry. Guys, don't, don't be piously going, going, to the, going for the offering. I talk to you and you say, well, we pray all day long. Well, if you pray all day long, then why are you still angry? Because every time you go to prayer, you should have already dealt with any situation in which you were angry at someone else, dealt with any situation in which you're angry at God. All that should be dealt with. 
Maybe a little less prayer about the things going on in your day and a little more prayer about forgiveness and repentance for the sins that you've committed against other people. That would be more profitable so that you might be able to actually pray and honor the Lord in the things that you present to him. All right, so here's your anger journal. Here's what you do. Identify the circumstantial provocation. Woo, really big words. It doesn't, that is, by the way, it doesn't work real well with your kids. Okay, identify the circumstantial provocation. So what made you mad? Now, we know the word made is wrong. Nothing makes you mad. So what, what circumstance, what thing did I do or say or someone else do or say that, that caused you to make a decision to get angry? That's how that works. Guys, you need to identify what was it? What'd you blow up at? Because sometimes it's not the primary, you know, the, the presentation thing that was said is not really what you're mad about. Now that might have caused it. So you're looking, okay, I, I got mad when you did this. I chose to be angry, but it was really related to something else. So you're trying to figure out what that is. What's the circumstantial provocation? And then really what's underneath that? What's, what's really driving all of this when I got angry? And then describe the outward manifestations of anger. How did my anger manifest itself in this particular situation? Now, here's where kids can get really frustrated because they think they're really good at hiding their anger. So you say something to them and they say, okay. And you go, oh, no, anger journal. Like, what? What? I wasn't angry. Yes, you were. It was a little look of the face, right? Or I told you with my children, I've got, I've, I've got essentially three, three different responses. The one child stomps down the hall. Anger journal. Okay, let's go do it. The other one is, knows better than that. It's not her personality. So what does she do? She shuffles down the hall. And I can hear it. Because she's mad. She's going to go to her room as slow, or anything else I told her to do, as slowly as possible. And then I've got one that gets quiet as a mouse. Right? But she's not engaging. She's not interacting. That's because she's angry. And so I've got to learn how to do each one of those and, and that outward manifestation. And by the way, spouses... You know the moment your spouse is angry, if you've been married for more than about five minutes. <laughs> the eyes go like this, the mouth goes like this, the hand, I mean, you, you, could give, you could write them down. Honey, you're angry. I am not. You know how that goes. <laughs> yes, you are. I know you are. But it's up to the person to write it down. It's not for you to say, here, write these 10 things down. Now, they, you might ask, okay, what did it look like when I got angry? But people generally know. So you're supposed to describe that outward manifestation because it helps you realize, this is how I started expressing myself. For some of you, it goes instantly to screaming rage. It does. Not for all of you, but some for some. But don't excuse it by saying, well, I, I, don't, I don't do screaming rage. Yeah, you do uplifted eyebrows, you do crossed hands, you do shuffling down the hall or the equivalents. Still anger. So describe the outward manifestations. And, and you might ask for help. When could you tell that I'd gotten angry? And then they tell you, you're like, I'm angry. Well, yes. <laughs> so now that just happened again. So let them tell you. Then evaluate biblically the exact nature of the anger response. It's not enough to say, I got angry. No, what did you do? And you need to call it a biblical thing. So let me just give you a quick list. Perhaps you could use one of these words to describe what you did. You were uncontrolled, unmerciful, impatient, intolerant, ungrateful, selfish, malicious, wrathful, hurtful, contentious, unloving, vengeful, violent, proud, unforgiving, hateful, mocking, argumentative, vulgar, unwholesome, cursing, deceitful, backbiting, or quarrelsome. I think you can find your sin there. Okay? It doesn't have to be all of those. It isn't. But pick one and call it a biblical thing. Well, I just was a little, a little miffed. Sorry, a little miffed is not the same as unwholesome or hurtful. Or how about malicious? Call it what it is. Try to identify I was out of control. Whatever it might be. When you start to evaluate it and label it biblically, you start to see it for the evil that it actually is. I was just a little frustrated. 
Guys, you were just a little sinfully angry is what you were. And you need to identify it for what it is. By the way, once you tell your kids this, it's really, because you'll find yourself using the word frustration continually and your kids are all, uh, uh, uh. you say, I'm, you know, hon, I'm just frustrated. No, 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 you're not. Dad, you're sinfully angry. Now, now I am sinfully angry. <laughs> Spouses, don't use this against each other, but watch, watch the saying of this. I was just a little frustrated. Generally, that means sinful, sinful anger. Um, so evaluate that. Then identify the specific motive and thoughts associated with the anger. What is it that you wanted that you didn't get? What did you want to do that you weren't able to do? What desires were motivating you to act the way that you did? Now, some would say this is going too far. How, how do we know our motives? You guys, you, you need to be studying the word and seeking God in prayer so that he reveals to you those motives of your heart and those thoughts so that you're thinking about what you're thinking. Because some of you say, no, I don't think about that. I just responded. No, you never say or do anything that there wasn't a thought that first generated. It might be momentary. It might be incredibly fast. And the more quickly you get angry, the more quick it is. You have to learn how to, how to take the thought captive. Scripture tells us to do this. Second Corinthians 10, 5. We're destroying every speculation. We're destroying speculation and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Because you need to be thinking about what you're thinking. And you can do this. You're just going to have to take time. Understand that your conscience really brings to bear a judgment about every thought you've ever thought all your life. Your conscience is always thinking about what you're thinking and judging whether it is right or wrong. You need to tap into that. You need to be thinking about what you're thinking about what you're thinking. Because you can do that. You know you can. But you know what? It takes more effort than you want to give. I just want to explode at you in anger. I don't want to take the time to think about it. I just, I, I didn't, I did that unthinkingly. No, you didn't. You need to track it down. You won't let, you wouldn't let your children get away with that. Right? They shouldn't let you get away with it. You are thinking and you need to try to track down. What's, where's the unbiblical thinking? What motivations? Now, yes, it isn't that you always will find them right away. And so, well, I don't know the motivation, so I'll continue, okay, I can still be angry. That's what Chris said. No, by faith, you replace your angry thoughts and motives with righteous ones while you still continue to track down what is helping you do that so that you might more, more quickly and more completely solve your problem. So you can't say, well, until I figure this out, I can keep getting mad at you. No, but you quell your anger by faith that you must not act that way, but that's, that's not sufficient. You need to continue to dig underneath or you're going to continue to fail in that same way. You need to take your thoughts captive. Ask God to help you understand your heart and motives for they are hidden even from you. Also, if you cannot determine your own motive or thought process, then by faith, replace the anger with thankfulness and biblical good works. You're never trapped in anger by your inability to discern the cause but you need to be working through the biblical causes or what's going on in your own heart and mind. And, and by the way, you're not to, to do this to others. You don't evaluate their motives for them. Here's the 15 things you did. Now, if they ask you, you could say, I think it might be this. I think that might be driven by these things, but you don't accuse them. You say, I think this is it. You determine it. And then come back to me and say, you're right. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's this or it's this or it's this. You can suggest, but you don't accuse. Let the person who is getting angry be the one who discerns the motives. And then evaluate biblically the nature of the anger-producing thoughts. Evaluate biblically the nature of the anger-producing thoughts. Perhaps it was a, an, a righteous thing. Yes, the, the, and, and we might sometimes call it neutral, but really it's, it's, either, it's either righteous, it's either acceptable, or it's sinful. Yes, maybe you wanted to stay up late and your mom said you couldn't, you got mad. Was it wrong to want to stay up late? No, it's not a sin. 
Maybe you wanted to have some peace. Maybe you wanted to get something done. Maybe you wanted to be loved. Maybe you wanted some freedom. You wanted to have some fun. You wanted respect. You wanted to be appreciated. You wanted, you know, people to love the Lord more. Those are all righteous desires. Nothing wrong with them. So you're thinking, well, that's what I was thinking before I got angry. Well, what happened? Well, the problem is now your thinking was translated into sinful action because your motivation was idolatrous. You wanted that more than you wanted to love God. So it might be that your thinking was even righteous, but you ended up in an unrighteous anger, or it might simply have been unrighteous thoughts. I want to control. I wanted to get even. I wanted to do what I wanted no matter what. So guys, you're learning to discern those things so you can bring a proper biblical righteous response. Then it is F here is develop alternative biblical thoughts and motives to replace the unbiblical ones. Well, that, that's why I say it, you don't have to necessarily replace I wanted to stay up late. Well, that's fine. Maybe you want to stay up late tomorrow night. That's okay. But you have to then replace the response with a biblical response, even though there's nothing wrong with the initial desire. When your parents say no, you go, okay, I trust you, mom and dad, that you don't want, that I shouldn't be staying up late if you told me not to, so you don't. Or if it just simply was, I wanted that and I was going to do whatever I could to get it, well, then you got to replace the desire or that motivation. I think you see what I mean. You need to take the, you need to put alternative biblical thoughts and motives, replacing the unbiblical ones. And then even if they were biblical thoughts, you need to put a right motive and right response to it. Philippians 4a. Finally, brethren, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, Whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. That is not speaking about going to some happy place of flowers and mountains when you're discouraged. It's talking about thinking about everything in a proper biblical light, including your motives for anger or motives towards response. Everything comes through that grid of what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and so on. And then develop an alternative biblical response to the circumstantial provocation. You're all the way back down to the thing that happened where you blew it or where you got frustrated well, how are you going to respond differently? What are the words you're going to say that are different? What's the attitude you're going to have that's different? How are you going to soften your tone? Whatever it might be. Does this sound like work to you? It is. Do I think that you will solve your anger problem without it? I don't. Because all of those are biblical things that you're supposed to do. Thinking properly, responding properly, carefully analyzing it. And too many of you, unfortunately, won't do this. You say, I'm too busy, I don't have time, who could write this kind of journal? And you're going to go on harming people in your anger, and I'm urging you not to do it. The smallest amount of anger is harmful, because what does the last part of our verse say? It says, don't let the sun go down on your anger, verse 27, don't give the devil an opportunity. Any unrighteous anger is an opportunity for the devil to wreak havoc in one way or another. You don't want to go there. Are you going to take the time, church, to accomplish this, to stop being angry? And if I see you angry somewhere, you come into my office and we talk about anger, the first thing I'm going to ask you is this, and that you should be asking me, have you taken the time to work through why you're really doing that? Have you talked to people? Have you talked to your spouse or your children or someone else just so they can help, help you realize what you're doing? And have you taken that thing before the Lord and those motives and those desires? And have you actually worked on this so you would stop being angry? And if you haven't, I'm going to say, what am I supposed to tell you? How am I supposed to help you with that? If you're not willing to do those things, what am I going to do? I'm just going to tell you, do that. I can maybe help you with motives or some other things, and we, I can talk with you and I can pray with you. But until you're willing to put in the effort, you're not going to get any better. And you're going to continue to harm people with your anger. Guys, it's time to put in the effort. Let me fill out a, a few other things here. I wanted to get very specific. That was the focus of my thoughts, because many of these other things you're aware of, so I'll remind you of them, but... That the, the nitty-gritty of what I just discussed is what you need to do to solve this problem. You need to extend forgiveness for the sins of others. 
So you need to repent of your own sin. That's where all this began. But then you need to continually extend forgiveness for the sins of others. You see, if every sin against you is a new sin because you forgave it and you're not holding it against someone, then you don't get angry very quickly and you only get righteously angry, right? If every sin is a new sin, because what? You already forgave the one that was done before. You're not bringing any baggage in before. So you can properly respond to everything that's done, either with a word of rebuke if that's necessary or just a covering it if that's necessary. You must forgive. If you don't forgive, then you will be constantly angry. We've covered forgiveness in detail in other places, but if you don't do it, you will remain angry continually. Mark eleven twenty five 25 says, when you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone. So do you see that? You see the, the double whammy there? Matthew five says, if there's anybody, if someone, if you know, someone's got something against you, you go and confess it. If you're standing there praying and you know that someone has sinned against you and you haven't forgiven it, you forgive it. As I, I don't mean to be demeaning, and I'll say it graciously, but if you pray as much as you say you do, then your anger ought to, be, ought to be to an equal amount diminished. Because every time you pray, you ought to be forgiving, and you ought to be going to people and saying, forgive me. Uh, there'd be a lot less anger going on if that was the case. Three, humble yourself before God. Little child is angry. <laughs> Sermon is too long, finish. <laughs> humble yourselves before God. You guys, when we don't humble ourselves under God's mighty hand, we're continually angry because we think we're not getting from life what we deserve. Humility brings the ability to recognize that all we really deserve is eternal hell. And so anything we get above that is good. You really believe that? That's true. And so there's not much to be angry about, is there? If you're not in eternal hell, and if as a believer, you'll never be there. Four, trust God. Trust God. You have to learn to trust God more so that your anxiety and your fear are not translating into anger. Isaiah 26, 3, the steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. The steadfast of mind, not angry, not constantly roiling back and forth, but trusting in the Lord. And as I mentioned already, the last, the last point that I hope that will drive you to wanting to solve this problem is that you would not give the devil an opportunity. Men, you're angry with your wife before you go to bed or before you're getting ready for bed and she goes off to bed and you're angry and you have a pornography problem, you are in serious trouble because your anger is going to translate into an excuse for you to do sinful things. Ladies, you're, you're angry with your husband and you have a problem with bitterness. I tell you, you are in serious trouble if you don't deal with that because you're going to grow more and more bitter towards him and he's never going to match up to what you want and you're going to destroy your marriage just as surely as pornography ever would. Children, you're bitter against your siblings, your spouse, or siblings, your parents. Then that's going to translate into a, an overall ongoing problem that causes you to respond in those ways to others around you ever increasingly and the devil will have a major opportunity. Just don't give him one. We don't want the devil to have any opportunity in this church. And I, and I leave you with this. He doesn't have to have one. We will not be perfect. I understand that. But if you sin and repent and you sin and forgive and you go and ask for that, then we will be solving this problem as it goes. And the devil won't have an opportunity. And he won't just disrupt and destroy and break apart this body so that the world will see that we can actually deal with the anger that they know not what to do with. They don't know what to do with it. They can't help but be angry. When we show them the love of Christ displayed through our refusing to be angry and instead pouring out his grace upon them, then the world will say, that's a great God. And that's what I desire for our church. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you poured out your wrath upon your son, that your righteous anger was fully satisfied in him, and that even in your 
your displeasure and anger against the sin that we have now, that it will be only for a moment. Lord, it is, it is, it is devastating. It is, we want to put it away, but we're so grateful that ultimately your wrath has been consumed in your son. And I pray that you would help us to respond then in that way to others, that we would long to forgive, to repent, to extend your grace in the form of your son and his wrath-bearing sacrifice to them. Lord, I pray that as a result of that, we too would be a people who refuses to pour out our anger, but takes it to you first, repenting, confessing, directing only righteous anger in properly biblical ways to solve the problems that would bring you honor and glory. I pray for our church. Might we be this congregation so that you will be honored and pleased. In your precious name, Lord Jesus, amen. Thank you for joining us again on Grace Maryville Weekly. These messages are just a small collection of sermons that have been presented at Grace Community Church in downtown Maryville, Tennessee. If you would like to learn more about Grace Community Church, where Pastor Chris serves as an elder and pastor, please visit us online at gracemaryville.org. Again, that is gracemaryville.org. There, not only will you be able to find out more about the many ministries at Grace, but you will also be able to access a full audio archive of messages not only presented by Pastor Chris, but also messages presented to our women's ministry, youth ministry, and college-aged ministries, as well as the Sola and Essentials conferences hosted at Grace. We invite you to visit us online And we hope that you will join us again next time as Pastor Chris continues to exegetically work through the book of Matthew. Until then, remember that Jesus is the King and the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ.